The Golden Homers are a proud sponsor of Homes for Troops, a publicly funded 501c3 nonprofit organization that builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans. Since its inception in 2004, nearly 90 cents out of every dollar spent has gone directly to our program services for veterans. Visit at hfotusa.org. Thank you. Low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finding McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, Irish fans and Golden Homers fans? Welcome into another edition of the Golden Homers podcast. I'm here, as always, Nathan Erbach with my co-host, Mason Plummer. What's going on, Mason? Hey, man. Excited to be here. Off-season talk. We, you know, heading into this, we anticipated being a little bit slow, but thanks to some good questions and some breaking news on uh, Coach on the offensive side of the ball, we got plenty to talk about, plenty to bring to you guys. Excited to get recording today with you. Yeah, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth, I was going to say. Like, we, we were kind of anticipating a – not a small episode or anything like that, but an episode where maybe we were regurgitating some stuff from last week, maybe just forming some different opinions from the OC hire and all that. But um, we were, I guess, blessed to to find out the new offensive line coach today, or, or at least probably the new offensive line coach and got some good questions from you guys as well. So we're going to get into that here uh, towards the end of the podcast, but uh, it should, should be a fun show ahead and something a little bit better than what we might've been able to provide uh, 24 hours ago. So glad we're doing it right now. Um, yeah, no doubt. yeah, go definitely ahead. Better to uh, definitely better to hit the new stuff and have new stuff to talk about, including questions rather than just kind of going over the same stuff. Or we, we even talked about guessing jersey numbers, that's how bad this has gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we uh, we have some new stuff, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which we can maybe get into, we never know, but I know yeah. we know a few of the newer ones, but we'll maybe maybe we'll save that for next week. Um, but obviously, the news of today, well, a couple, couple big things, I guess, is it looks like Notre Dame's gonna hire Joe Rudolph as the new offensive line coach. If you don't know who Joe Rudolph is, he's the former Wisconsin um, offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. I think he was also had the title of assistant head coach or associate head coach at one point there as well. Um, moved on to Virginia Tech. I don't know. Was he there for just this season or has it been two seasons? Do you know off the top of your head? I want to say just one. Yeah, that's what I think so as well. So I think, yeah, he's been at uh, now Virginia Tech, he moved on prior to Paul, the Paul Christ leaving uh, Wisconsin as well. And there's been some rumblings here and there that that might have been the reason why he left is, is he kind of saw the writing on the wall with Paul Christ and, you know, wanted to, you know, explore different avenues before having to kind of maybe stamper off and, and try to find a new job um, quickly or something like that. So he, he kind of got he secured the bag, I guess, is what maybe some people would say before having to scramble for it. So. Um, but yeah, he's been at he's been at uh, Virginia Tech for a season or two, and now um, looks like he's going to be the new Notre Dame coach and or new no, new Notre Dame offensive line coach. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on him specifically. I mean, obviously, he comes from a pretty nice background at Wisconsin. He played offensive line at Wisconsin and in the NFL, um, so that's a, a decent resume on its on its own. But. Um, and the fact that he obviously coached at Wisconsin, which I don't know, I think me and you would agree it's not offensive line you, but it's certainly up there in terms of offensive line jobs um, in the country and where where kids go to, you know, 
to play on the offensive line. So any thoughts, Mason, on, on him as a, as a whole? Not a ton, really. Um, I, I look at offensive line. I, I, this has been a, a thought that, or an opinion, I guess, that I've kind of based from some Notre Dame experts in that I didn't realize how crucial it was for offensive line coaches to be a great teacher, not necessarily a great recruiter. A great recruiter helps, but I believe this is Pete Sampson's big thing when it comes to offensive line coaching and coaches specifically is how good of a teacher can you be? And I think Rudolph can do a really good job of that. And then you mentioned uh, on Twitter the other day showing his recruiting prowess and the amount of big recruits he's brought in and what they've turned into and some guys like Nolan Ritchie that Notre Dame was in with until the very end, who I think is very good as an NFL guy, uh, was down to it was Rudolph that got him there. So, of course, he was in state, and it's e- not easy to recruit in state, of course, but makes it a little bit easier. Um, so you, you like the recruiting prowess there, and I think he could be or is a good teacher um, at offensive line. I have to imagine anybody I'm moving from Harry he stand is probably going to be a downgrade, but I, I really like this hire. Um, I don't know if home run hire, I feel like that's a term that gets thrown around loosely these days, but I don't know if there is one at offensive line bar bringing in like a stud offensive line coach from the NFL or something crazy like that. But I think if you were to ask people, you know, around if who they were looking at, I think it would be Luke. And then you go down to, to Rudolph. I think those were the top two. Um, Notre Dame got one of their top two options and I feel confident in saying that. So um, yeah, I'm excited to to see what he can do. And he's got a stellar group to work with year one. Yeah, you mentioned like how you don't like using the term home run hire. I, I've sort of changed my tune on how I use that. I, I always say home run hire like on paper. So I think that's kind of what it is. It's like you just never know. You never know how he's going to mesh with the team, the players, the university, all that kind of stuff or wherever he's at, no matter what. And so, but I think, I do think Joe Ru- Rudolph is is about as good as a hire as you're going to get at the collegiate level um on paper so I, I like it from that perspective uh certainly you mentioned obviously some of the stuff that he's done in recruiting you can check out I mean I think I posted it on Twitter today um or check it out on 24 7 sports but you know you mentioned Nolan Rucci he's landed he's definitely landed some like five-star offensive talent he's landed some high-level four-star offensive talent um he used to coach tight ends um as well I forget where he was at before Wisconsin um, I know he played at Wisconsin. I know he was a GA at Ohio State, and that's how he kind of knows Marcus Freeman, but then he went somewhere else. And so some of his recruiting prowess is from some of those stops when he was a tight end coach. Um, and then the other thing is, is like th- there seems to be some backlash from at least maybe some Notre Dame fans, but more more so, um, I think it was Pittsburgh. Now that I'm sorry, I'm, I know I'm I'm kind of going off topic again, but it was I think it was at Pittsburgh where he was at before before Wisconsin. Um, at one point, but anyways, <clears throat> there seems to be some Wisconsin and specifically Virginia tech fans that don't think Notre Dame is making a strong hire. And they're actually very happy that Notre Dame is making this hire. And I think one thing that I would caution some of those fans are, which I, I guess it doesn't really matter what they think, but at Wisconsin for a lot of the time there, he was the offensive coordinator, which is much different than just being an offensive line coach. And at Virginia Tech, he went and he was literally a coach for one season on a really bad football team. So you can be as good of a coach as you want, but we know that the Jimmys and Joes are better than the X's and O's. Like, right, we always, we kind of always say that. And that's why we talk about, in, in at least in this era of college football, you need to have guys that can recruit because you want good players versus good coaches that are coaching bad players, right? So Notre Dame would prefer to have, you know, I guess, quote unquote, a mediocre 
teacher of sorts, maybe not on the offensive line, because I do agree with what you're saying. I think the offensive line teaching aspect is so much more important, and I'll get into why I think that here in a second too. But overall, you recruit good players. They're probably going to be pretty damn good no matter who's coaching them, and you just hope that you also have good coaches on top of that. Um, but before I get into what I was going to say next, do you have anything kind of to add uh, just to that thought process? Not a whole lot other than uh, I did want to get into Mason Lunsford. Uh, good first name. Looks like he's going to be visiting uh, Notre Dame. I'm not sure if that's somebody that Joe Rudolph has gone after, or if that was kind of planned or if that was uh, something that Notre Dame had already been working on on the offensive side of the ball. Um, if that is something Marcus Freeman and company had been working on, but that's always impressive to see, you know, going after going after guys looking into the portal. It looks like he was a starting left tackle at Maryland. Uh, he's a little bit undersized to be a tackle, so I'm kind of wondering if he's some guard depth at the left or right guard, seeing what Notre Dame does there. The tackle positions are both locked down with, I don't know if surefire first rounders is, is necessarily accurate, but uh, I think Fisher and Alt can both be first round talents. Alt seems like a lock, but Fisher definitely he has the potential to be so um yeah will Lunsford come into Notre Dame and move to a guard spot I don't know but that's uh it's it's always interesting when you have a, a guy coming in from the portal especially on the offensive line just you know a couple hours is broke after uh, Joe Rudolph was rumored and it's not officially confirmed by Notre Dame to be the offensive line coach yeah, I was wondering about that, too, if maybe Rudolph, that, that's a guy that he sort of told Notre Dame, like, hey, go out and get or go out and try to get this guy. I like him. I was recruiting right. Virginia Tech, whatever it may be, um, to, to come in. I'm looking at, I think it was Tom Loy that originally broke the story. I'm looking at his article right now, and he listed him as the starting left guard. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. I don't know if you saw somewhere else that he started at left tackle. Maybe he started at both during his career. Mm -hmm. um, but we, I think we can agree, great first name bare minimum yep. so we know that he's we'll bring we're bringing him in and we get another mason in the fold so maybe we'll have to bring him on right. the podcast at some point or, or something like that but um but yeah no i mean i kind of agree with what you're saying I, i'm not 100 percent convinced that notre dame's gonna say hey we're gonna bring this guy in and he's automatically gonna be the starter i'm sure that him being a starter at maryland he's gonna want to go somewhere that he's gonna start so maybe he doesn't end up at notre dame because of that um, but it also could speak to some of the older guys or some of the guys that have been in the program for a while. I don't know if it speaks to like the guys like Billy Shrouth or Pat Coogan and different guys like that, but maybe a guy like Rocco Spindler, who we were all really high on, you know, when he came to Notre Dame and now he's going into his junior season and he doesn't really have a guard spot locked up. So you bring in a guy like, you know, Mason Lunsford, who has started at the, you know, power five level and probably has a decent chance of being a, a draft pick after this next season or something like that. So um, I'm not going to say it's the writing on the wall for someone like Rocco Spindler, but I think it might speak more volumes to guys like that. Maybe a guy like Andrew Christoffic, um, you know, and just like I said, some other guys that have been in the program, but I'm all for bringing in talent. Uh, it, the I think offensive guard has sort of been a rumored ad for them throughout the off season. If they could find the right guy, they might bring in somebody. So if he's the right guy, I'm all for it. I mean, and hopefully he has a better career at Notre Dame than K Madden did. Cause I think K Madden ended up being this dude that we all thought was going to be a stud at guard. And he kind of just had a, you know, a so-so season a few years back. So hopefully if Lunsford does come in, he can be better than that. Yeah. And I'm sure people, there will always be negative people when it comes to these kind of things like, Oh, he's taking away playing time from a Shrouth or 
whoever, uh, Spindler, but the cream will always rise to the top and you always bring in talent and make your team better or enhance your team, like Freeman likes to say, whenever it's whenever you possibly can. So if they believe that Lunsford is going to make Notre Dame better, they're going to do that regardless of if your favorite recruit from a year or two ago, if you think they're taking away playing time from them, because I, I can assure you the coaching staff does not care. Yeah, right. And like, and again, we're not crapping on anybody here but like for example if Rocco Spindler is like the odd man out in the rotation and he's now in year three I mean technically speaking can he get better and still play two or three seasons at Notre Dame sure but if you're not starting by year three I mean maybe there's something there um, that we're missing or the rec- obviously the recruiting analyst missed when he was a prospect or the coaching staff missed when he was a prospect and it just didn't really work out for him so um and we're not breaking any news saying that that's the case, but it, it's certainly possible. And it's maybe why they're looking at a guy like, like Mason Lunsford. And it might not even be Rocco Spindler. It could be any, any of the guys that are going to compete for the guard spot. So. Um, yeah. Maybe they seem as a versatile piece too. I'm looking now. Uh, Tom Lloyd did say he, he was at left guard. I was looking at his profile. He came out of high school as a tackle, but you see that often guy listed as, listed as tackle will move to guard. Uh, there's not very many guys in high school that are, guards and me or I'm sorry tackled immediately so um you'd imagine he can play any of the three interior spots just enough and we're not saying he's committed to Notre Dame by any means but taking <laughs> it is notable and um I think you know having that versatility and an experienced guy is important yeah yeah absolutely I mean the fact that he like you said the fact that he's been a starter is a is a big deal and um you know Notre Dame's offensive line you for a reason are certainly right up there and I don't think they're just going to bring in anybody so if they're bringing a guy in he's probably like like bare minimum like you mentioned pre- pretty damn good and he's going to provide quality depth and cream will rise to the top like you said but I wanted to get in one more thing you mentioned with Joe Rudolph the idea that the teaching aspect is more important than necessarily like the recruiting aspect and I think that's in, like and you and you touched on it it's more important when it comes to the offensive line and I think the big reason behind that is, is the offensive linemen are, are tend to be the guys that are a little bit more quiet. They're not all over social media. They just kind of want to go in. They want to hit you. They want to, you know, they just want to play football. And we've seen that a lot with Notre Dame guys, specifically a lot of Notre Dame guy. Billy Shrouth was not very active on social media as a recruit. Blake Fisher was, he was kind of like an outlier in that regard. He was kind of the, what he had the, the title as the mayor. And, you know, he was sort of like the lead recruiter in that recruiting class. But a lot of these guys, and not just Notre Dame offensive linemen, but in general, they just want to play football. They don't care about all like the craziness. And they knew Harry Heastan was a great offensive coach or offensive line coach. So regardless if he was a quote unquote, great recruiter, they wanted to come play for him because they know he would elevate their game and get them to the NFL. And if Joe Rudolph is the same, then he's going to be a guy that doesn't have to recruit these, you know, go out into everybody's house and text these guys 24 seven and all that kind of stuff. He just has to continue to put great offensive lines on the field at Notre Dame and guys will come and flock to Notre Dame. Cause we know that that's what they do. And I think when you, when we look at Joe Rudolph's recruiting success at Wisconsin specifically uh, along the offensive line, I think that's pretty evident that guys wanted to play for him because they knew that he was going to produce good offensive lines and be able to get a lot of these guys to the NFL. Oh yeah. And that's what, that's what Notre Dame is looking to do when Notre Dame, you know, kind of, molded themselves into this run first offensive line tight end driven team you know there's nowhere better to play offensive line or tight end and recruits know that they see the success Notre Dame has year in year out at both of those positions so someone that can further that or even enhance it would be would be great I think Rudolph's capable of it absolutely absolutely I don't dude I'm I'm gonna be honest with you I don't think we have much else for you guys today I I think we 
liked the idea of the questions. Um, and I know we have a little bit more for you guys today because of what we just talked about with those guys. I don't think we would have talked too much about any of that if, if they, if they weren't announced uh, today before we recorded, but, um, we have what, how many questions do we have? Like somewhere around 10 or so. So, yeah. um, let's get right into that and, you know, hopefully we can, uh, provide some good answers for you guys. Yeah. So this one's a longer one from at sports talk drew, uh, it's a start bench cut Irish edition. So there's four categories here, but let's just do them kind of fly through them quickly. I'll right. ask you and then go ahead and give my response and then we'll keep on moving. So the first, the potentially the three best receivers Notre Dame has seen in the last two decades or so, um, start bench cut, Jeff Samarja, the shark, golden Tate, Michael Floyd. Now I'm assuming, and I don't know if you spoke to him beforehand, on this, I'm ass- when he says Irish edition, I'm assuming he just means at Notre Dame, not NFL Game success career. and all that kind of stuff, right? Okay. Game career. Oh, man, that is that is really tough. Uh, Will Fuller probably deserves to be mentioned in there as well, for being honest. Man, I think I'm gonna go. Probably a very unpopular. I'm gonna go the opposite direction of how you read them. I think I'm gonna go Michael Floyd one, Golden Tate two, Jeff Samarja three. That's exactly how I had it actually. Um, did, did you think about reversing it anyway at all? I thought about starting Tate, but I think that part of Tate's success was because of the guys around him, including Floyd. So um, I think with Samarja, I think he was more of a fan favorite. Uh, for for good reason, I think he was a great receiver. But I just I I have Tate and Floyd higher. Um, maybe I don't know exactly why. I think that their their skill set. I think they were better receivers overall. And yeah, I I just think I'd rather have Floyd and Tate. With Samarja is a very close third, of course. I tried to put bias aside there because out of the three, absolutely Golden Tate's my favorite. Um, so I'm with you. I actually I almost put Tate one and then Floyd two. But Matt Floyd was just you're like, I would have loved to see him have a healthy NFL career. Let's just say that because I know there were some other issues. He had some off the field stuff. Right. But that guy was just, when you pick, when you think of like what an NFL receiver should look like, I mean, he was, he was big, he was tall, he could run. I mean, he could, I mean, he had great hands, like, there just wasn't a lot of flaws in his game. And those first couple of years when he had him and like Larry Fitzgerald on the Cardinals paired up together, I mean, he had some really nice success and um, he, he was just so good at Notre Dame. I know you're a little bit younger than me, but he was yeah. probably, that's probably that first like group of guys you really remember. Right. So, yeah. So thinking about it, I remember Samarja almost falling down his touchdown against UCLA. That was like my first core memory of Notre Dame. Okay. Um, and then I remember Tate, you know, the dive into the to the was it the MSU band or something? Yeah, one and of my then, favorite things. Yeah, and then I just remember watching Michael Floyd, and I was thinking he was like a superhero, you know, just being younger. I was just like, this dude can do anything. But right, uh, we got three more of these. We got to keep on moving here. Yeah, sure, sure. This is probably the toughest one to be honest. Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert, Michael Mayer, start bench cut. I spent a lot of time on this one, just thinking about it. And because again, it's another thing where like Eifert's a very like favorite of mine. Like if I were to think of like top players and in Notre Dame history for me, like as like a, just as like a favorite, he's definitely up there for me. So, but I think this time I'm actually going to stick with that. Um, I'm going to start Eifert bench 
Mayor sit Rudolph, who had obviously a tremendous NFL, or sorry, cut Rudolph, who had a tremendous NFL career. Um, but the biggest thing for me is I think Eifert's just the best athlete out of that bunch. Like he, when I think of just a freak tight end athlete and a guy, if he didn't have the injuries in the NFL, he would have been, you know, up there with the Kelsey's and the Gronks. I I, I really believe that. Um, I still, to this day, even though the 2012 national championship game did not go in Notre Dame's favor, I have friends of mine who don't like Notre Dame at all. And I agree with them on this. He might've been the best player on that field that game just from like you look at him he's fast he's physical he had great hands like Alabama could not do anything with him it's it's unfortunate that Notre Dame just didn't have enough of Tyler Eifert out there or 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 more Tyler Eifert types out there um so yeah I, I Eifert for me would be one Michael it's so hard to put Michael Mayer on the bench because of how dominant he's been and how fresh he is in our minds but definitely Michael Mayer has to be on my team at least and then I I, I think Rudolph has to be three yeah, I'm going to flip. I'm going to start Mayer, actually. The records he broke and just what we saw him do this past season when he was the pretty much the only legit pass catcher at some points. Mm-hmm. You knew the ball was going to him. It didn't matter. All the records he broke. I'm going to roll with Mayer. I'm definitely keeping Eifert as well. Um, I think there's some nostalgia there for me. I almost started Eifert, but uh, Rudolph has to go third. And that, I feel like that's kind of rough on Rudolph, but I just think the Eifert and Mayer – were better athletes. I think Rudolph was a great tight end and that showed in his uh, Notre Dame and professional career. It's winding down now, but uh, yeah, I think Eifert and Mayer will prove to, well, Mayer, I think will prove to be better overall than both in the NFL. And then I, I just think that they're better athletes. Um, maybe a little bit of recency bias there for me. Well, I think with Rudolph too, like, I mean, or I think with those three, like even with how successful Notre Dame has been at tight end, those are absolutely the top three. At least yeah. in recent memory. Right. Moving on to linebacker. Man, this one's another tough, tough one. <laughs> Anti Teo, Jalen Smith, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. So again, it you know what? I'm gonna let you start on this one. Okay. So this one, I mean, those three are both are all are all studs, but for this this one for me was simple. Um, I'm starting Jalen Smith. That dude was a freak. I've never seen anything like him on the defensive side of the ball pre-injury just his burst to the ball and everything that he could do there wasn't a play that he couldn't make of course pre-injury and that just that sucks and then I'm gonna sit I'm sorry I'm gonna bench Manti Teo his instincts for the game and just his ability to tackle at at every level was next was, was just amazing and the interceptions and everything he had for that Notre Dame 2012 team I I hate to bring up the whole thing that happened with him and the fake girlfriend whatever but you got to imagine if that didn't happen, that he would have a stellar NFL career. Like in that documentary, he talked about for the, the first three years of his NFL career, that's all he thought about. And maybe I'd be the same way, man. The guy, that was just, it's a terrible situation. But, and again, sitting or um, bet, cutting Usukoromoa feels rough, but I think you're talking about maybe the two best linebackers and definitely in recent, recent history, maybe Notre Dame history. I mean, those two are just unbelievable. The things that they accomplished on and off the field and in the NFL Owusu Cormo is going to have a great career and already has in the NFL, Yeah, but I've got to cut him. Yeah, I mean, not even just Notre Dame history for the first two, but I think you're talking about two, at least in recent memory, like the last, you know, 30 years or so, you're talking about two of the best linebackers in college football in general. Um, Jalen Smith obviously would have had a much better career if he didn't have Brian Van Gorder as, an, as a linebacker's coach and defensive coordinator. So, 
Um, I'm at where we disagree a little bit, which is nice. I think it's, it's good to have some disagreement here. I'm, I'm essentially going to flip flop how you did on tight ends. I'm going to have Manti Teo number one, fully believe like you just said, Jalen Smith and even Jeremiah Usukormo are, are definitely superior athletes when it comes to, to Teo. Um, but at the same time, Teo is a very underrated athlete because of the, maybe some of the lack of NS, NFL success he had. He had some injuries, mm-hmm. which some, seems to be a very common theme with a lot of Notre Dame's top players that have been in the NFL in recent memory that they've had injury issues or like in Smith's case, obviously had the crazy injury at the end of his college career that made him not as great as he could have been in the NFL. But, um, but, but it goes back to what you said with Teo. Teo is a guy that was a leader on the field was a just made everybody better was obviously very good in his own right starting from freshman year on played four years he he stayed for that fourth season we didn't probably had to and was just you know like when I think of just an ultimate Notre Dame player over the last you know even at least bare, bare minimum since I've been alive I, I think Teo might be number one so I, it's hard for me to sit him um, so J- he would be my starter, Jalen Smith. Um, again, with the injury, obviously that sucks at the NFL level, but he, I think he's definitely going to be on my roster. And, um, this one's maybe a little bit easier than the tight end in terms of like having those two guys and then cutting, cutting Jeremiah Usukoromoa, but it does feel, feels like you're, you're doing them dirty a little bit when you have to cut a guy that that was that good, won the Buckus award. They all won the Buckus award at the collegiate level. Um, the other two also wanted at the high school level. So, um, but uh, another really solid group where I think that's probably clearly the top three, even though there's been some other really good ones. Yeah, no doubt. And like I said, I feel like it's hard to do JOK like that, but wouldn't surprise me if he proved me wrong. I think he's having a, a strong start to his career and is going to continue mm-hmm. to do so. Unfortunately, I think for safety, this one is uh, is pretty simple for me. We'll see if you agree. I'll go ahead and go first on this one as well. We've got Tom Zubikowski, who I have a signed picture of behind me. Um, oh, no, we got bias going on here. <laughs> uh, well, um, Harrison Smith, the it seems like a 15-time All-Pro for the Vikings. It's not actually 15, but it feels like it. Right. And Kyle Hamilton, a player uh, – or I'm sorry, Pro Football Focus's uh, number one rated safety from this past season, of course, a number 14 overall pick. To my hated Baltimore Ravens, um, I'm going to go ahead and go. I think this one's simple. I think it's, I think it's Kyle Hamilton, Harrison Smith, Tom Zibikowski in that order. I think you have to start Hamilton. I think he's different. He's just a different kind of player than we're probably ever going to see in a Notre Dame uniform at safety, to be honest. Um, and then benching Harrison Smith, like after all the backlights, I just, I just listed seems super rough. But I think Kyle Hamilton's a better athlete, and he's on on track to be one of the best safeties that the NFL maybe has ever seen if he reaches his full potential. And then sitting Zibikowski, he's an all-time fan favorite, but he wasn't the athlete that either of these two guys are and definitely didn't have the NFL career that uh, even Kyle Hamilton has had already. So I, I'd imagine you're going to follow suit here. Yeah, yeah. I was actually – I was hoping you were going to go Hamilton one because I would have I would have argued it for sure. So – um, and, and the big reason there is mostly that Hamilton was just a better collegiate player than Harrison Smith. A lot of people didn't really view Harrison Smith as like a first round pick until sort of around the combine. And he had a really good, you know, last couple of years in Notre Dame, but he kind of played like linebacker and safety at times. And, you know, he was sort of misused at, in Notre Dame scheme for a while. And then, so he's had a much better NFL career than he did at Notre Dame, even though he obviously had a really good career at Notre Dame. 
but Hamilton, like Hamilton, like you said, Hamilton's just different. He's obviously was a stud coming out. He was a five-star player coming out of high school, started essentially from game one at Notre Dame on and like completely changed the way teams attacked uh, Notre Dame defensively. And again, he's fresh in our mind. So maybe we'd think a little bit differently if, if we were doing this kind of stuff when Harrison Smith played at Notre Dame, but with, but I completely agree on Zibikowski. I think there's some older Notre Dame fans that might disagree with us is because he was a game changer, a punt returner and all that kind of stuff as well. But I don't know. I think he's a very distant third in this conversation. And um, when it comes to Notre Dame safeties, at least the top two are definitely the top two versus having a bunch of other guys you can kind of think about. Yeah, I think you got a you got a one A one B in a in a distant third. Unfortunately, I I mean, like you said, fan favorite, but uh, yeah, he doesn't touch them athletically. Now moving on past that, that was a great question by Drew. Um, definitely thought provoking there. Moving on to Oscarine Bombine at Vamos Irish, Nathan. Who would if you could, which team would you replace Navy with on the current schedule? And I guess moving forward as like a, a yearly rivalry. Wow. It's okay. So they don't, they obviously play the ACC a lot. So it's hard to say like Clemson or something like that, even though it's kind of been fun over the last couple of years playing them. I think I would go back to one of the older rivals and it's not going to be Michigan. I know that's probably unpopular. I know that's kind of a fan driven um, rivalry more so than if Notre Dame were to ask you who their top rival is. Clearly, they, they would obviously say USC, but I think their second option would be Michigan State or Purdue. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Michigan State. I think it's you know it's a t- it's a tough opponent. They're always pretty good, but they're never like amazing. So you're not adding someone to your schedule where you're like, oh man, we're gonna play Clemson, Ohio State, USC, and Michigan State, and we're gonna you know those four could all be in the college football playoff, which I guess technically speaking they could. So if if like let's just say they were playing Michigan State this season. I think it would add, first of all, the rivalry aspect. And then, um, you know, just another, another just solid opponent on your schedule where, you know, it's Midwest driven. It's, a, like I said, rivalry, all that kind of stuff. And and a team that, you know, can definitely beat you. Because, I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, if Navy beats you, you get upset when you're a Notre Dame fan. When Michigan State beats you, some years you can understand it. So, um, I, I and I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, I was going to bring back one of the old trophy or rivalry games and whether that's Michigan State, Purdue, um, I think I think I'd like to see Michigan more often a yearly maybe isn't necessary when if Notre Dame is committed to doing this Ohio State Clemson USC kind of thing every year that's four heavy hitters. Um, Not that I'm against having a tough schedule but I'd like Notre Dame to have a chance at the playoff and playing four of the top, I don't know 10 programs in college football isn't necessarily ideal if you want to do that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Michigan State, maybe Purdue as well. Um, something within the area that still feels like a big game. I think Michigan State feels like it, it and is a bigger program, but Purdue's a sneaky program as well. I'm losing uh, Jeff Brom sucks. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are Purdue fans, so that would be fun for me specifically living in Indiana. So, yeah, I, I think either of those are good options. I'm trying to think of who else. If Notre Dame was to ever go out west further, that would be cool. Um, adding like a UCLA regularly or something like that when they move to the Big Ten. But um, moving on here, this is uh, Oscarine dropped three. Uh, I'm going to pick another one from him. He said, besides Tobias Merriweather, what other second-year players are you eyeing up currently? Eyeing up. I love the 
I love the word choice. Yeah. Um, man, I, I should have been more prepared for these questions. Do you do you have one? I'm gonna think of one. I would think I would say Jalen Sneed, right? I right. think that that's has, fair. I think he has a chance to make a big impact. I think that the first year was a little bit rough for him. Maybe I think he, but we we saw flashes in the South Carolina game, both positively and negatively. Getting a couple personal foul calls isn't great, but we saw the burst and the playmaking ability that we've needed to see from him. And then I think he's bulked up a little bit too, while being able to keep that speed. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be an edge rusher, but I think he offers them an interesting piece at linebacker and blitzing on a third down kind of scenario. So I would like to see Jalen Sneed. I think that's maybe the obvious answer, but if we're going to, if we're not going to see anybody on offense, you know, other than Tobias, um, maybe Jadarian Price, I'm curious to see, how um i think i stole nathan's answer i'm curious no to no see. no. i was gonna use him for i think we have another question that i remember that we're gonna get to and i was gonna use him for that one but i could still do it it's fine i'm curious to see how he ends up rehabbing i think he has all the talent in the world i think he could break in to getting significant carries this year but the achilles injury isn't great for running back um yeah, who's yeah. Your, what's your second year player you got your eye on I think I'm going to go with my guy who I said was the number one player in the class a couple of years ago, and that's Aiden Gobira. Um, I know he, I, like I think he had one snap this season, so it wasn't like he was a guy that was even in the rotation or any, or thought about being in the rotation or anything like that. But hopefully, you know, hopefully he bulked up a little bit. I don't know if he's more of a Viper or a strong side defensive end. There's been some people that have said they actually like him more on the strong side. Maybe that's just from an overall um how they see him as a player standpoint versus what his size and stuff like that is right now but um I was a huge believer of his coming out of high school we know that they need some pass rushers um with you know Isaiah Foskey on the way out Justin Adamola on the way out so um would love to see someone like Obira Joshua Burnham um as second year guys you know turn out to be solid players for Notre Dame um and the, the only other guy I was thinking was Tyson Ford um, and I think it's because all those guys, like Notre Dame needs some defensive line help and all of those guys were highly rated. So um, it, it would be nice to see some of those guys who didn't see the field at all. We saw snippets of Jalen Sneed and some other guys. And so I, I, I loved your answer of Jalen Sneed because I think he's going to see the field a lot next year. Um, but some of these guys that might maybe are like forgotten a little bit because they were top recruits that didn't see the field last season um, and Notre Dame needs some need some defensive line help. So uh, I'm going to go with Gobira, but any of those other couple guys I mentioned would be nice too. Yep. Uh, I thought I like your answers there. So this one's coming from at Regison 42 um, out of Ohio state Clemson and USC. Who's the toughest game or who's the toughest game on the schedule in your opinion, as of right now, I think that's a tough question. Yeah. I mean, did we talked did we talk about this on John when we when we went on with John one time he was like who, briefly yeah yeah I, I'm trying to think who I said so I don't I don't like I don't sound like someone who doesn't know what he's talking about it's definitely not Clemson in my opinion I think Clemson has gone downhill a little bit and I don't mean that in a negative way to say like they're not a tough opponent because they're going to be a great opponent I know we have some Clemson fans that listen to this podcast so I definitely don't mean that as a negative but they, they they're kind of in show me mode. They're, they're obviously a very solid team. It's going to be at their place, so that makes it tougher um, for next year. But And as much as I love Cade Klubnik, he hasn't shown it yet. I need to see it on the field. I need to see how their receivers develop because I don't think their receiving core was that great. So I'm going to leave Clemson out of it. I'm probably going to say U.S. Uh, no, no, I'm going to go Ohio State. I'm, I I have to. I, I know it's at Notre Dame, and I, but 
you know, yeah, the Ohio State game's at Notre Dame, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the offseason, man, it gets to you. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Ohio State. I know they lost C.J. Stroud. I know that they've lost some other top players. You know, their, their offensive line and stuff like that is a lot of those guys are in the NFL or going to the NFL and stuff like that. So they have, you know, some things they need to clean up. But I just think they're a better program overall than USC. USC, for as good as Caleb Williams is and all those guys, they, they're, they're kind of soft. I don't know if I, if that's a good way to put it, but that's kind of the word I, I was thinking of. Like, I think Notre Dame is going to be able to score points on them. I'm not convinced that Notre Dame is going to be able to put up a 40 spot on Ohio state. I am convinced that they can do that specifically with Sam Hartman, that quarterback against USC and being, and it being at home this year. So I'm going to go Ohio state because they're the, I think they're the proven program at this point over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. Hate to copy you here, but you know, I we echo a lot of the same thoughts. And you know, you mentioned it. We have some Clemson guys that are uh, are winning at Sports Network into fanboys and both of those that happen to be Clemson guys. But I I think that they would agree that uh, Ohio State and USC may be better programs than them right now, or at least have a better chance to win the title in twenty three. Right. Um, and yeah, Clemson's kind of in show me mode. What can you do without a generational quarterback? You know, I mean they haven't been getting it done without Watson or Lawrence and not that Notre Dame has either. I'm just saying, um, you know, you, all this recent success has been largely due to quarterback. And of course, recruiting prowess comes with that either way. Um, Ohio state and USC are both going to be really tough games, but I do feel a lot better about Notre Dame being able to score with USC with a more proven quarterback and potentially a better offense as well. I think they're going to, they have a lot of time to prepare for Caleb Williams. I, I mean, the dude's legit. I hope to God Chris Fowler isn't on the call for Notre Dame USC. I don't, I don't I mean, think he, he can be right because it's on NBC. Anything can happen. He'll do anything to be in that stadium. Um, I need to block that guy on Twitter. Oh man! And, yeah, it has to be Ohio State. I don't know who the is. It going to be Kyle McCord? I dude, there seems to be some mixed thoughts there. I would hope so. I think he's really good. Yeah. Um. So maybe I hope he's not just because of that, but um. I, I would hope that Ohio State would make the right decision there and start him. But, I mean, I don't know. They they see those guys every day. So, maybe it's Devin Brown. I don't know. I think he's better, too. But either way, whether it's Brown or McCord, they have a good quarterback. They have a really talented roster up and down. I think it's a better roster than USC and Clemson. I feel comfortable saying that. Um, even though Ohio State's at home, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, maybe you and I can try to go to that one. We've had good luck recently. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, stick with Ohio State there. Moving on. I didn't – David Barnett had a good question, but we didn't – I didn't track snap counts for this, to be honest with you. I actually have it up. That, that was where I was going to use Jadarian Price. Oh, perfect. All right, I'll let you handle this one then. I We started recording as soon as I got home from work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at David Barnett, good friend of the show. Um, out of every player on the roster who got under 50 snaps for the entire season, which guy do you think makes the biggest impact in 2023? David B from Lake Forest. Shout out Lake Forest. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's where I had Price because obviously going into the Blue and Gold game last year, he was great. A lot of people thought that if he wasn't the starter, possibly at running back, which is kind of crazy to think about at this point with Logan Diggs and Estime as good as they are. Um, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be the starter or bare minimum deep in that rotation um, at running back. So would love to see where he stacks up. Hopefully, like you said, I mean, that's a tough injury to come back from specifically at the position that he plays. So 
Um, but he, but he's really the, I think the, the, I mean, maybe Billy Strauf is a guy that you're looking at as well. I mean, I was trying to think of just guys that didn't really play at all. Jalen Sneed, who you mentioned in the other, uh, um, with, with the other question, technically speaking, didn't get 50 snaps unless you include, I think, uh, uh, special teams or something like that. But I kind of just viewed it as like, okay, snaps on the actual defense or offense or something like that. So maybe your answer could be Sneed for this. Um, but we, we know that they need two guards. So Billy Shroud could be a guy there as well. And we're obviously very high on him, but Jadarian price was just such a sexy player, I guess, going into last season as like a breakout freshman candidate. So it would love to see him, um, you know, be a dude for Notre Dame in 2023. Is it cheating for me to say Sam Hartman? He told, remember, he said, if we say we can't say Sam Hartman. That's right. He did say that. Well, I don't have an answer ready. My answer is <laughs> I hope David listens to this and says something in the group chat. Fair enough. Um, let's see if I got anything else intriguing here. Uh, from at the fanboy C, I guess we should answer their question. Yeah, Coach if the ACC and Pac-12 do this so-called conference, if you haven't heard the ACC, it's, it's rumors, but ACC and Pac-12 joining to create this super conference, um, does it do ND better to join or – leave altogether meaning not the one foot in one foot out approach that Notre Dame's had with the ACC so I'll leave that to you yeah so I mean I don't think it really changes anything for Notre Dame right? I don't either I mean they probably go they're they're probably not affiliated with the ACC at that point anymore so they wouldn't play like their four to six games whatever it is per year um so they'd have to find ways to fill that but let's just say I mean, I don't know if was the question specifically asking if it would join the Pac-12 ACC thing or if it would just be more them to join a conference in general. Like, would Notre Dame join that mega conference or would it, like, I guess what's more likely, would Notre Dame join that mega conference or would it step out and end its affiliation with the ACC altogether? Got it. Yeah, I think it would be more than likely that they would step out in with the ACC overall. Like, if they said, hey, you can't have your basketball, your – your baseball and you know all the other sports and different things like that as a part of our conference now then I think that they would probably just move on um if Notre Dame had to join a conference I still think that they would probably just join the Big Ten in that regard because their their biggest rivals are in the Big Ten I mean you have Michigan State Purdue USC is now a part going to be a part of the Big Ten there's been some rumors that maybe Stanford might even follow so I mean if Stanford were to specifically leave that ACC Pac-12 you know conference as well then I think Stanford would be more of a Big Ten type of school as, um, in terms of like the, their style of play and different things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say staying independent would still be the number one choice. And then if they had to join a conference or felt like they had to join a conference because mm-hmm. of it, it would be more so pushing them towards the Big Ten versus going to the ACC Pac-12, you know, super conference of sorts. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, I, I I think we echo a lot of the same thoughts. Frankly, I think we're both informed and have good opinions. But um, <laughs> the ACC and, and Pac-12, I don't think Notre Dame would want anything to do with that. And you mentioned there's incentive. If Notre Dame was to join a conference, it would be the Big Ten based on – we talked about earlier about rivalries, right? You have Michigan State and Purdue there. You have Michigan there. You have a rivalry with Stanford if Stanford were to join. You have the rivalry with USC. So uh, if Notre Dame – if somehow college football forced Notre Dame's hand into joining a conference, I think that makes – the most sense, even though it might seem from the outside looking in that with that half in, half out, one foot in, whatever approach with the ACC that Notre Dame would be down to do that. But 
without you without USC and UCLA, the Pac-12 is rapidly falling apart. So I don't even know if ACC would want anything to do with adding these mid schools that don't really do a whole lot for the ACC. You could right. even argue ACC is weak, which you might be correct. It's Florida State, Clemson, and who else? So yeah, they have some name brands, but that's about it. Right. Nobody that's really legit. I'm trying to pick one here for us to end on. Um, here, this one's fun. From Clutch Sports ND at Clutch Sports ND. Um, he asked us to rank your top five TV shows. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> this, but, is a, this is a Notre Dame podcast, people. <laughs> right. What college football coach, aside from Freeman, would you want to play for? Say you're a five-star recruit. You get to go play for a coach. Say he stays there for your whole time at the school. Is there a, is there a coach that you really like or that you've had interactions with that you'd want to play for? I mean, I think I'd love to have like Brian Kelly grind on me. So maybe, maybe Brian Kelly, but <laughs> with a bunch of lights and music <laughs> and stuff on like a two foot stage. Yeah. Um, man, that's a t- really like head, head coach, right? Was yeah. that- Ooh, I think Lane Kiffin would be fun. Um, and I, I, old, the old Miss colors, I think we both agree are, are, are pretty badass. Um, you know, my, you know, my, uh, I love Matt Corral um in college so I kind of like I wasn't like a, a pseudo Ole Miss fan or anything like that but like when he was there I liked watching their their games and then and Lane Kiffin is just kind of fun to follow like on Twitter and different things like that so he would be fun um Oregon I think I mean that that's not more that's like less because of the head coach and more because of like the Nike and all that kind of stuff and whatnot but I think it, from just from strictly a head coach and you just, you don't even care like where they're at. I mean, I think Lane Kiffin would be fun. I'm trying to think of somebody that I think would be fun. Um, I hate Michigan, but I think. No, Harbaugh, no, 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 no. Now listen, Harbaugh would be so interesting. <laughs> he has to be. I don't, I hate Clemson. Or I shouldn't say I hate Clemson. I don't like Clemson very much, but I'm just trying to think of what personality would be funny. Like Dabo running a program to me is funny. Like seeing him day to day or like Jimbo Fisher, like watching oh, man. How he deals with NIL and everything. Like yeah. it would matter for my playing career, but if I could just be like an, uh, a fly on the wall for these programs, I think that would be hysterical. <laughs> Jim Arba. I think I would, like, I would shoot myself in the head before I went and, played for Jim Harbaugh I, I would never do it but I just think he's such an enigma and such a weirdo that I think yeah would... if you're talking strictly fly on the wall like you're talking about I'd love it would be fun to it would be interesting to be in a conversation with him for sure yeah um I don't really think I mean I, I think a lot of people are like oh why didn't you guys mention Nick Saban but I don't hey. know like yeah he's the goat but I don't know he just I don't know if I'd ever really have like an actual conversation with him if I was a player. And if you do, you're probably getting yelled at because you messed right. up. He, there's almost like an intimidation factor with him. Like where he's like non-approachable and like maybe I'm completely wrong there. I don't know. I mean, obviously we never played for him, but that's just kind of what it feels like from the outside looking in. Kirby smart doesn't really have any sort of, I mean, great head coach obviously. And yeah. certainly recruits to, to his best abilities at Georgia, but. I don't know if there's like a personality there that makes him interesting or anything like that. So I guess you're right. I mean, the guys that are just kind of like quirky, like Dabo and Harbaugh, like you kind of have. Yeah, to- I got an answer. What about I'll go play if let's say I'm a five star. I'll go play for Vandy. I like Clark Lee. I'll, let me go take Vanderbilt from being the worst school in the SEC. How about that? Yeah, yeah, and you get some good baseball. Get to live in Nashville. Yep. You know, I'll be one of those guys that plays football and baseball. How about that? 
You know, I've always thought about that, you know, like this wasn't a question, but you know, like people are always like, oh, well, if you were a five star, who'd be like your top five schools? And mine are just so different because like, obviously Notre Dame would be one, right? But my dad went to Northwestern for graduate school and I'm, you know, my family's from the Chicago area. So I think Northwestern would be in my top five, right? And then Stanford, like I I was like always like drawn to the high academic schools because I thought that was always like just kind of cool. Yeah. I get to go. I get to go to one of these like crazy academic schools that are just, you know, that also play really good high level football overall. Like Northwestern's not a great football program, but they play in the Big Ten. So I get to go to Ohio State. I get to go to Michigan. I get to go to Michigan State. All these like crazy campuses that are cool. Right. And then in Stanford's case, I mean, you get to go to maybe the number one school in the country from an academic standpoint. You get to live in Palo Alto. Um, you know, you can go out and surf if you want to or something like that. Or in my case, I mean, Palo Alto is pretty close to some really nice mountains for snowboarding. So I always like thought about it from that perspective versus like, oh, I want to go to Georgia, Alabama, USC, Ohio State, all these schools that are going to like, you know, throw NIL money at you and all that kind of stuff. So like Notre Dame, Northwestern, and I think Stanford would probably be in like my top three, maybe Nebraska. My mom's side of the family is big Nebraska fans, but I've just never really had an affiliation with them that like, I actually kind of like root for them to lose. So I can see like my uncles and stuff get really pissed off. Yeah. I don't know if they would be in my top five or not, but maybe just to like appease my mom on like Peyton Bowen. Right. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Maybe I'd go to, maybe I'd go to ball state. I know the ball state head coach pretty well from when I covered the team and uh, I'll be a (laughs) Make ball state great. Yeah. I'll go, go to ball state and win, win the Mac for them. That'd be cool. Be a, be a Muncie legend. Um, It wouldn't take a whole lot to be the best player in ball state history. So. And um, if you were a D coordinator, then you could, uh, or if you were, if you were a defensive player, you could play for Tyler Stockton, which is always cool. Yeah. Whatever it takes, man. (laughs) I'll play both sides of the ball. Um, but I think that about wraps us up. You want to take us out of here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for tuning in. A little fun episode, especially at the end. We had a little fun talk there, but um, which I think I think in a perfect world, Mason, that's how we, me and you would like to just kind of banter back and forth and yeah. kind of make it almost like a almost like a bar stool of sorts kind of thing, but maybe not to that level just for, you know, just for fun. So definitely shoot us some. Yeah, definitely have us people shoot us some feedback on that kind of stuff. If you thought that this episode was fun, just because we we answered more questions and stuff like that, we'd love to do that on a day on a on a weekly basis, specifically in the off season. So, but as always, I'm Nathan Erbach. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Erbach. Mason, where can they follow you at real quick? Yeah, Mason Plummer underscore. Follow us both for uh, we have news, basketball, hockey, baseball, football, whatever it is. We follow all things Notre Dame. So, um, yeah, if you want two people to follow to get your Notre Dame fixed. That's it. Yeah. And especially with some of those seasons starting up, like baseball season starting up, lacrosse just recently started. Hockey's in a good place after beating um, kind of sweeping Michigan this past weekend. So we'll see if they, uh, if they're able to to make the frozen four, which would be fun. Obviously softball um, just started up as well. So when, when those teams do well, you're going to hear us talk about them. So we're, yep. we're hoping women's basketball just won the ACC regular season championship. So that's great for them. Maybe they can make another deep run into the tournament and bring home another championship. So that'd be fun. So obviously follow at golden homers on Twitter, follow the fan boys, check out all of our stuff on Spotify. Um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find it on the Fanboys website if you just want to listen to it, like on a web browser while you're at work or something like that. But uh, um, but yeah, guys, like I said, um, 
tune in every week and we'll be here for for all of your Notre Dame sports talk. So until next time, go Irish. <laughs>